is the True Real Estate 911 podcast with Lisa True. Lisa will share up-to-date real estate information with you that you need to know. Welcome to True Real Estate 911. It's Brian Mudd along with your local real estate pro, Lisa True, here to tell you about the hot multiple offer scenarios that are out there. If you're looking to buy, you need to make sure that you are positioned properly to make sure that you not only get a great deal, but you also get to the closing table because, well, it can be challenging in today's landscape. And Lisa has so many great examples of success stories and even overcoming obstacles to have success that she wants to share with you today. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you're not already there, go to truerealestate911.com. That's truerealestate911.com, the best local resource you're going to find for real estate. When you get there, you'll totally get it. Not only are there great resources, videos, information on local real estate that can really help you get started, whether you're looking to buy or sell, if you just have some uh, questions about local real estate, but also you're going to see tools like the ability to search the MLS in real time like the real estate pros do. Truths make that available for free to you. So it's so neat. Go check it out. TrueRealEstate911.com. And of course, buying, selling questions. True's ready to help you. 561-972-8326. 561-972-8326. Lisa, last time we talked, you were saying, yeah, it is really shaping up to be a super strong spring. And now that we are deep into the spring season, you are still saying that it looks like uh, we are in a very, very aggressive buying mood right now. Yes, we are seeing multiple offers on our listings. We are seeing multiple listings on the properties that our buyers are making offers on. And we have a shortage of good inventory. I mean, there's some overpriced things out there that are just sitting, but the good stuff is selling. It's going for really strong prices. So it's a perfect time to put your home on the market if you're selling in the next three to six months, you really should go ahead and accelerate that if at all possible, and let's get you sold for top dollar. And the last time we were talking, you were saying that largely single-family homes and more affordable properties were doing well, but that we were also seeing some recovery even on the luxury end. Is that still typically what we're seeing right now? Yes, we're definitely still seeing that trend. And the interesting thing is we're seeing some of our uh, normal seasonal properties having good activity as well. We just had multiple offers on an active adult community condo, which normally would be pretty much silent at this time of year. And we were able to sell that for top dollar as well with, like I said, we had four offers on that property at a time when we normally would not be seeing that kind of activity. So folks that had been here renting previously or people that had just had enough in the Northeast and are like, okay, I'm ready to come south. I think it's a combination. I do think that a lot of people that tried Florida out, uh, they stayed a little bit longer this year because let's face it. I mean, there were still places that had snow two weeks ago. And then of course the people that are worried about next season and will they have a place to come to, or if they wait till the typical September, October, will everybody else have the same kind of thought pattern? So um, we're encouraging people that are looking for next season to start looking sooner, maybe come in the summer and start accelerating their their home purchase for the seasonal product because there won't be as much competition and they may A, get a better deal and B, be confident that they're going to actually have a place for this winter. 
I'm hearing from more people in the last two to three weeks about taxes than in the prior two to three months. It seems like a lot of people are starting to figure out what the change in the tax law means to them. Is that also part of this? It's definitely part of it, especially for our high net earners in the Northeast. Many of those people are going to take a major tax hit this year when, you know, the tax laws go into effect, they are really going to see it hit their checkbook. And so many are looking for ways to make Florida their their permanent residence. And um, we're working with some uh, CPAs and some tax attorneys, because if you're still going to own property in some of the states, it's not as simple as just buying a property down here uh, and yet many are just saying, you know what, I'm selling it all up there and I'm just coming year round. And we're seeing more of that for people that are earning a million dollars or more. And it's one of the reasons why our luxury is seeing a little bit of a positive sign, even though we're still a buyer's market, we're seeing the, the properly priced luxury uh, properties that are getting it right. We're seeing those starting to see some good activity. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Now, as we're talking about some of these competitive situations, especially in the more affordable end, uh, there is a, a story with one of the folks that runs our digital department here at iHeart in uh, West Palm Beach, who is raving uh, about the true group. He's been talking about uh, how amazing Ashley has been throughout the process because they were in a competitive situation and didn't necessarily feel like they were going to have the best opportunity to be able to have their offer accepted on a property they were really interested in. But you guys worked your magic again and got the job done. Yes, we were actually up against a cash buyer that had put in an offer when obviously they wanted to buy this property. And so there's a strategy to everything we do. This is not just, oh, well, we'll give this a try. Our strategies are based on years and years of mastery and honestly failing and learning from each failure. And so we know what to do in a competitive uh, situation and putting that deal together in such a way that A, we humanize the buyer and B, the terms aren't quite cash, but they're very attractive to cash. And it's having the right people on our side. For example, a great lender who was able to get a complete approval in seven days. It's just unheard of. And that includes appraisal, by the way. And so just having that kind of confidence of having a seven day a week lender with full operations, that's how our lenders can do those things is because they have the right team, the right structure, and they're willing to do what we're willing to do is that word commit, committed, and they are committed to our clients as much as we are. You mentioned something that ended up resonating with me and reminding me of our situation. You talked about humanizing. And that's another facet of the real estate process that I think is largely overlooked and ended up being extremely relevant in our situation. You know, we were interested in the property we we're interested in. This goes back to the fall of 2011, but it turns out that there is a very emotional connection with the seller. It was her father's home. And you ended up walking us through a process that took a couple of months to get from here to there. But ultimately, it was that factor. Uh, she needed to sell, was interested in selling, but had a hard time getting from here to there. And as things turned out, by taking your advice and falling down the path and realizing 
that it wasn't just dollars and cents, that there was more to that story. We ended up having success in the home that we're in, which we absolutely love. As it turns out, she lives two doors down from us, and that was another part of this entire picture. A lot of times there can be those contextual things that can make the difference that are easily overlooked. You know, I run the marketing side of the company, and so I work with a lot of our sellers on the market. And so I bring to the equation, how does a listing agent and a seller think? And I share that concept with our buyer's agents all the time, reminding them that this isn't a house, this is a home for many people. And how you win with a listing agent, how you win with a seller often comes in the strategy when of how you make that offer. It even starts before that. If the seller's home, and often they are, how you behave with the seller during that showing. And so we kind of coach our clients on how to behave, what to say, what to do, to hum- create that human connection so that in theory, the seller's rooting for you. They want you to win over somebody else who maybe came in and didn't use those same strategies. Then the other thing we do is we always have our client write a letter to the seller. Now we can't guarantee that it's presented, but odds are it's going to be. And once again, it just has somebody on your side. Now your terms have to be good, right? You can't go in there with with poor terms and have a seller say, well, I like you. Uh, occasionally that happens. There's but it's balance, right? Yeah, we still have to do everything right, but it does help. It kind of is that tipping point. And so we're able to commit to things that others just can't commit to. Like I said, a seven-day complete loan approval is almost unheard of, including appraisal. And yet, we actually have the team together that can write the check that the mouse says, right? That's the goal is that can you actually perform on your promises? And so we've got that team. We know the strategies. I see so many agents making mistakes. We had multiple offers on one of my listings and the buyer came in and said, this is the most I can do. That's all I'm qualified for. Okay. Well, the numbers don't work. So we rejected the offer. If that's really the most you can do and the seller can't take the deal and I have a higher offer, there's no conversation. Right. And then they came back and said, well, what about this? And what about that? <laughs> the, the first buyer came in with a solid, great offer right away, did everything we encouraged them, which we'd shared with both parties. They did everything right. And we kind of rewarded the good behavior of sure. the first buyer because clearly They wanted it. They listened to the seller's desires and they put together a solid offer to begin with. And then the other one kept going, well, what about this? Well, I'll come up to that. Well, your credibility was shot because you said, this is the most I'm going to do. There will be no negotiating. So part of it is, you know, I think agents think that my job is to get the best deal for the client. Your number one job, if you ask buyers, is to get them the house they want. That's what buyers want. Yes, we want a great deal. We want all those perks. But ultimately, if a buyer wants a house, our job is to help come up with a strategy to allow that to happen. Now, it's funny. You reminded me of another situation when I was actually moving down here and it was selling my home in Savannah. 
And we had multiple offers. Uh, it was, you know, when the housing market was hot, that would have been, what, 2005. And, uh, you know, the, the market was right. We had a good good home on the water, everything else. But uh, my inclination was, in the real estate agent I was working with up there, would just take the highest offer. And so we did that without consideration to anything else. Well, it, it was, I think, five grand more than the, the next offer. Okay, fine. What we didn't end up realizing until we were well into the process one of the buyers was a hypochondriac, ended up wanting a mold test, even though there's no reason to suspect mold, no history of it. So we had a decision and I'm already at this point down here staying in a hotel. Well, do we hold up the process even longer or do we just go ahead? So went ahead and got a mold test done and that came back and, and there's no mold. Well, then they wanted an air quality test inside the house. And so we're back to this again and it's like, well, so went ahead and did an air quality. By the time I got done, I think I ended up doing like over $2,000 in silly tests, a lot of additional headaches, time that I didn't really have. And I would have gladly taken the other offer over not having to deal with that. And that's a lot of what you're talking about here, too, is that there's so many other factors that go into it that many agents just never look into. You know, one of the things that has helped us is that when the market was not a great market and for sellers, and we were doing short sales, we had to get really great at deciding which buyer had the ability to actually kind of stick it out and go through the pain of a short sale and get it to the closing table. And we became really great at reading the deal because what you didn't want to do with a short sale was take a deal and then go through all the mm. pain and then have the buyer walk on you right. at the last minute once you have the approval. We've been able to take that knowledge of reading the deal and translate it to the multiple offer situation. Because when you say yes to one, you say no to others. And it isn't always about the highest price. It's about the deal that will actually make it to closing with the highest price. And so what a lot of buyers are doing is they're doing whatever to get the house. And then in you know layman's term, retrading the deal with inspections or appraisals or things like that. So making sure that the deal that they're offering, they actually stand behind and are able to get to closing. So often we come down to who loves the house the most, who's willing to fight for it. And we always convey that to the sellers when we represent a buyers that we've got a great buyer who loves the house and who, you know, barring anything major, is going to still love the house. And I think that a lot of times agents are not conveying that and they're not having those honest conversations that if you're in a competitive price point, you're going to have to be willing to fight for the deal. You're going to have to, you know, sometimes know that everything's not going to be perfect and you're going to have to work through challenges, but it's going to be worth it because you're getting your dream home. And getting the balance of everything right is important because on one hand, you hear fight for multiple offers. A lot of people think, oh, my gosh, you know, the, the, the prices are getting out of control. This isn't sustainable or anything. It's not necessarily that, is it? No, it's not. It's, you know, having a deal that can get to the closing table and, you know, and yet you can't always say, I, you know, when people call me, say, oh, I want something below market. Well, let's talk about your price range. First of all, what price range are you in? If you're in that competitive price point, that's just not the market for this. Um, you're going to pay market value and you're going to have the protection if you're getting a mortgage of an appraisal. Um, and yet, you know, if you're looking for below market, 
going to the retail market is probably not the best plan. The one other message to, you know, within the, this conversation, and I mentioned uh, our digital director who you guys have been able to help. Their conversation started with potentially looking for another place to rent because ultimately they didn't necessarily think they were in a position to buy. And we've talked about this for years. It's as true now as ever before, and especially before rates go up any further uh, and the affordability becomes that much less for first timers in particular. You know, the, the message for those that might not think that they're able to buy, uh, what, what, what is your word for them? Well, just call us. Uh, we'll do a consultation either in person or over the phone. We'll have you speak with our lender, have you have those conversations, and let's explore if it's possible. And the other thing is we're really going to ask a lot of questions and listen and then help you kind of formulate, okay, have you considered this? A lot of times what you think you want can be fulfilled in maybe a little different way. And so it's where us knowing the inventory, the options, uh, the lifestyle. I mean, after speaking to the buyer's team, they'll have a pretty clear picture of, okay, this would be a great strategy. And if we think you should still rent, we're going to probably share that with you and just say, look, you know, either you need to save more money or, you know, you need to do the following steps. Um, and yet the reality is most people that call us can purchase and should be purchasing, especially if you're going to be here three to five years, you should absolutely get out of that rental market because rents are not going to go down in South Florida. They're just not. Um, investors keep calling me <laughs> and large hedge funds are calling. There's a reason they're looking to buy investment properties and turn them into rentals because it's profitable. And if it's profitable for them, it's kind of like going to the casinos. Somebody might win, right? In theory, so otherwise people wouldn't go. Right. And yet when you look at the shows and you look at all these amazing casinos in Las Vegas, <laughs> you know most people don't win, right? Yes. They lose. Yes. Well, if you're renting, odds are you're building wealth for someone else. And I don't think that that's what we at least intend to do. We want to build some wealth for ourselves. And you do that by the first thing you do is buying your own home. One that makes sense, that you can afford, that the that the the financial strategy is there, and then building wealth from there. Melissa said, if you have questions, call her. Well, do so at 561-972-8326. That's 561-972-8326. Remember, you may always get started at truerealestate911.com. 